This talk was given by Ron Hogan Green Sensei at Zen Mountain Monastery. Hogan Sensei is a lay teacher in the Mountains and Rivers Order and co-director of the Zen Center of New York City. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our retreats and residency programs, visit our website at zmm.org. Thanks for listening. I wanted to acknowledge uh, that we're in a particular set of circumstances uh, and for uh, each of us we're isolated in a particular way and while I hope we're safe that we're have enough uh, provisions and are able to take care of us uh, many people are dying many people are getting sick um, some people don't have enough provisions um, many people are really struggling. Um, so I wanted to address this from a Buddhist perspective. So the, the name of this talk is the Tripitaka is embroidered in the A.H.G. brocade. And it's from the A.H.A. Koroku, uh, which is uh, a volume, a series of volumes uh, that of Master Dogen's talks. Um, so in this particular case, Master Dogen entered the Dharma Hall and offered this discourse. And this is in talking. Here is a quotation, Master Dogen said. Many heavenly beings uttered verses of praise. At first, the Buddha sat under the tree overcame demons. He attained the sweet dew of nirvana and accomplished the way of awakening. Three times in the great thousands of worlds, he turned the Dharma wheel that originally, that is originally and continuously pure and clear. This is verified whenever humans or heavenly beings attain the way. At this time, the three jewels appeared in the world. Now I, Ehe, that's Dogen, am delighted that the three jewels have manifested in the world and that the Dharma wheel has actually arrived at this mountain. So Dogen gave these informal talks in the Dharma Hall. I couldn't find a date for the talk, but certainly it was in the 1200s, uh, later in his life when he was at Aheji, his mountain temple. It feels like uh, allowing for a different time and place that he walked into our zendo and gave this talk, gave this teaching. The title of the teaching, which he named, is the Tripitaka is embroidered in the A.H.G. brocade. A.H.G. is the name of the monastery. And the Tripitaka is the name for the complete scriptures of the Buddha, the teachings of the Buddha, um, also sometimes called the Pali Canon. Hidogen may have been speaking of the symbol of the Tripitaka, that perhaps is represented in the AHG brocade, the, the, um, 
the sign of it, if you will. I don't know. And I think he was pointing to that, but also to the teachings of the Buddha manifesting as the embroidery, as the and as the teachings of realization of the Buddha, which is present right here, right here, right now, in the Zendo, in each of the places that we sit as individuals in the Sangha. If you've seen the Red Seal of the Mountains and Rivers Order, which is on most of the web pages, and on the formal documents, such as student certificates, we might say that it contains the entire Mountains and Rivers Sutra that we've been studying. It's not just a matter of saying this. It does contain it. So Dogen says, here's a quotation, and he quotes the Vimalakirti Sutra. I'll say it again. Many heavenly beings uttered verses of praise, saying at first the Buddha sat under the tree and with his power overcame demons. He attained the sweet dew of nirvana and accomplished the way of awakening. Three times in the great thousands of worlds, he turned the Dharma wheel that is originally and continuously pure and clear. This is verified whenever humans or heavenly beings attain the way. At this time, the three jewels appeared in the world. Dogen, in quoting the sutra, speaks of the Buddha's awakening. We're all familiar with this, at least as it's told. Three turnings of the Dharma wheel in the great thousands of worlds. Abandoning the negative actions of the body, speech, and mind, and taught us the, the four noble truths. The second teaching is the teachings of the from the perspective of the Mahayana school. Here, the turning brings forth the Bodhisattva path as practice realization that comes forth from the realization of the emptiness of all things. And so, we chanted the Prashna Paramita Sutra this morning. The third turning is about coming forth into this world, having seen into the emptiness of all things, yet manifesting compassion in the world of things. Sometimes this is characterized by the teachings of the mind-only school and the foundational texts of the Lankavatara Sutra and the Bilmalakirti Sutra. In a sense, we could look at the three turnings of the Dharma wheel as a, way, as a way to make sense of the complexity and depth of all the Buddhist teachings and of the teachings of the ancestors who came before us. There isn't a fixed line between the teachings, but an appreciation for the depths of the teachings so that in each turning, all of the teachings are present. In the Vimalakirti Sutra, the question is asked, how do you purify a Buddha field? A Buddha field is any place that is seen as the pure manifestation of wisdom, the perfect purity or wholeness of all phenomena. To see this purity of perception, we do not perceive this place where we are now as just an ordinary place. 
we see it to be a celestial Buddha field. I see a Buddha field as this very place, this very time, before you, before me, before you and I, and this very person. So the answer that the Buddha and Vilmalakirti Sutra give is you purify your mind. That's how you see a pure Buddha field. Again, here purify is not opposed here to unpure. It's not opposed to anything. How do I enter if I want to make the world I experience into a world of pure Buddha action? I'm the only thing I can work with. My my mind is the only thing I can work on. And so Dogen goes on in this quote. At this time, the three jewels appear in the world. The Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. A direction. A place to enter. But not as a fixed place. Rather than as an exploration of how I might experience my life, experience you. Dogen has taken us to the three jewels, the three jewels which we take refuge, refuge in. We all take refuge in something, especially in times of difficulty. Often it's in relationships, perhaps locations or activities that offer us a sense of security and protection. I remember when I first entered residency at the monastery, I was uh, in the, um, what is now the space where the work supervisor's desk is. And my job was to sit there, sit there and act to take phones and do some other actions. And the space was sacred to me and fixed. And then when we had done a dinner a few months later, Everything was changed. All the furniture was moved. Uh, everything was accommodated to allow for the Donna dinner. And I felt a sense almost of betrayal. I had relied on this fixed institution and fixed furniture. And it wasn't helping me to, to rely on that. It was something more I was being asked to rely on deeper that was within me, but not obvious to me. So we, we usually have, each of us, compulsive habits. I know I tend to eat too much ch- chocolate when I'm under pressure. Might be relentless activity, movements of the body and mind. How often are we cultivating these activities as a way to seek refuge from what is before us or similarly to avoid something? Nevertheless, we do find refuge. It may be temporary or part of an ongoing cycle that may not be ultimately helpful. There is a kind of refuge, at least for the moment. A refuge that also can limit us from having to look deeply within ourselves and actually encounter our feelings and our being honestly. And yet, finding relief in these ways can help us, can create space for us to be with ourselves, to contemplate, to perhaps sit, 
in working carefully into a place that is before us, creating our pain, our difficulty for ourselves and others. And yet, sometimes we do need a little space. We, need to, we do need to pause. <clears throat> to a certain extent, we need our samsaric places of refuge to help us deal with our suffering, sometimes acknowledged, sometimes invisible to us. I suspect often we're taking refuge in these things simply because we're fearful, perhaps paralyzed or hurting, perhaps angry, so that we do not have to face ourselves, so we can avoid the trauma of the karma we are facing. And of course, we can justify even our practice and our practice time in this way as spiritual bypassing. And yet every practitioner sometimes bypasses. And yet every practitioner, I think, sometimes needs to bypass. So there's a a narrow line there. Emotions also can be refuges. Responding with anger and self looking for something to blame, can become a habitual place to hide. Think of how defined we feel in anger and self-justification and blame, and also how small and tight that sense of ourself can be during those times. Anger and other self-reflective emotions like this reassures, reassures us of our identity, which is, after all, a place to take shelter, familiar and safe place. So too with the habit of becoming overwhelmed by confusion and to ask others to come to our rescue, chronic helplessness can be a refuge, a way of pulling back from the world and from our responsibilities within that world. Because we're so familiar with our accustomed ways of being, we often may not recognize as avoidance when we turn to the things we turn to when we're hurting. It's incredibly painful to face our life sometimes and incredibly reassuring to connect, reconnect with the familiar places that we go to. And yet some Saric refuges are inherently impermanent. And if we rely on impermanence, when none exists, then feelings of betrayal and anger compound the loss when their impermanence becomes obvious. I think before taking refuge in the three jewels, it's helpful to know the refuges that we already depend on because this might really inspire us to turn the same exact energies and emotions in another direction to know that we have an option. Of course, taking refuge doesn't protect us from problems. It doesn't shield us from viruses, from war, from famine, from accidents, from difficulties. But it provides a way to practice that transforms obstacles into opportunities. We hear this all the time, but this is the purpose of practice, to take us from the from the life of samsaric tendencies 
and pain and the karma that comes out of that into a place where something very different can be lived and experienced and offered to others. It's not an easy journey to do this. And we always have to work from where we are. We can learn to to respond to difficulties in a new way, in a different way, in a deeper way. And this helps us amidst the confusion and despair that is going to sometimes come up. And taking refuge in the three treasures, viruses do not disappear, but we might not respond in our accustomed manner. There may be illness, but we might still greet the day with a joyful appreciation for being alive. And even if not, even if there is not a joyful appreciation present within us at that moment, we can stand up, we can enter into our day and practice and work with it. I'm considering how when I lived in the monastery and I'd get up at 3.15 or 3.30 sometimes and I knew that the schedule held me in such a way and my routine held me in such a way. There was a a personal morning liturgy and other things and obviously uh, personal things to take care of that I needed to do that and to respect that time. So immediately I got out of bed and got right into it. And that first moment when the alarm went off, sometimes I didn't feel like it. Sometimes it was like, oh, and then I'd let it go and go. And that in its own way is greeting my life in that morning with an open heart. And it's interesting to see that when I don't do that here in the refuge of uh, being apart from everybody, that I, my tendency is to actually lay in bed and kind of inwardly just lie there in a numb state. So I have to reconnect. I have to reconnect with what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And in doing so, we can, by our practice of taking refuge in the three treasures, rely on the best parts of our being. It's interesting to me. I mean, how do we take refuge? How do we make that alive? And, you know, we do the same liturgy over and over and over again. And each time we do, we're recreating for ourselves the energies and the powerful forces that are within us to take refuge, to take refuge in the Dharma, in the teachings. Now, we can endlessly mouth the words and do prostrations. But at some point, we may realize we can give much more to it. And also, as we continue to practice, the liturgy becomes alive for us. It becomes us. And so continuing to cultivate these practices, for me, prostrations, chanting, and the various practices that I may personally do 
to hold me to my intent, to remind me of my intent, reconnects me with the Buddha, with the Dharma, with the Sangha. And it's a vital process. It's a dynamic process. And it has to keep being viewed by me, by you, as a process. It's not a fixed thing. And it allows me to live in the world with greater ease. And without needing to withdraw into untrustworthy actions and habitual responses in order to feel safe. When I take refuge in the three treasures, I'm acknowledging that the only real working basis for my life is myself, my own mind, my own practice. And there is no other way around that. And in this acknowledgement, we can take refuge in the Buddha as an example, in the Dharma as a path, and in the Sangha as companionship. But I never forget that the total responsibility for my life rests in me, not conceptually, but here, now, in this body and mind, this particularity of me and myself. When we take up the three treasures as our refuge, we enter this with a sense of sacredness and ordinariness. The subtle mystery of our life, which is a mystery, we just don't know. And the apparent mundaneness of our life, the ordinariness of our life, moment after moment. It is extremely personal. And when we attend, very, very vivid, very live. There are no scapegoats here. When we take refuge in the Buddha, in the Dharma and in the Sangha, you become responsible to yourself as a follower of the Buddha, as a practitioner of the Dharma, and as a person of the Sangha. You know that the world is not going to help you anymore in a particular way. And that way is it's no longer regarded as a source of salvation. And when you both as the world, then of course, the world is you, and it is a source of salvation. When we look at the world as something outside ourselves, it is a mirage. And yet, as ourself, we can manifest our practice of the three treasures in this mirage. Sometimes our life unfolds in a very satisfying manner. Sometimes, no matter what we do, there's difficulty, there's pain, there's confusion. Nevertheless, we always have the ability to practice and to walk this path. The meaning of taking refuge is that you're going to do it. 
you commit yourself as a refugee to yourself. No longer thinking that some divine principle or just by ignoring reality, your problems will be solved. It's very personal. It's very intimate. It really is about me, meaning it really is about you. There can seem to be a vast responsibility there, but there truly is a vast freedom. And it gives us permission to explore what is binding us from that freedom, from looking closely at our mind and at our reactions so that we can see that nothing truly binds us, which doesn't mean we're going to feel good. Karma is karma. We're not going to always feel good. And yet, we can rest on the faith of the three treasures. We can take that into our life and manifest it. How? The three treasures and the three pure precepts Are they the same or are they different? The three pure precepts and the 10 cardinal precepts. Are they the same or are they different? To take refuge in the triple treasure is to rest on a faith that is whole. to trust and investigate that our experience of this is bottomless, that is ungraspable, that it doesn't waver. And it's interesting because we're endlessly and thoroughly conditioned and thoughts will arise from delusions, from past karma, And yet we can always return to this refuge. I'm lucky in that I have, and I'm seated in now, a a small zendo, a space that is private. And I can practice as I need to practice. And what I practice is returning to this refuge. When I sit zazen, I sit zazen. I know how precious this is. When I do prostrations, I do prostrations. I know how precious this is. And it carries me as a practice and as a fundamental perspective that we can trust and rest in as the basis of our living and acting. And so we can do that. We can do the best we can to live out of this refuge. We can acknowledge when we don't, and we won't sometimes. And that's why the Fusatsu ceremony starts with acknowledging that, acknowledging the harm that we have done, that we do do. And at the same time, in taking refuge, we don't know it. We don't know what that is, ultimately. We practice becoming it. We are it, fundamentally. Fundamentally, 
I take refuge in the Buddha. Fundamentally, I take refuge in the Dharma. Fundamentally, I take refuge in the Sangha. That fundamental is boundless. We don't know it and we practice it. That faith in that includes our mental and physical and whole body and verbal effort. It's not enough to just think something or say something. And ultimately, faith in the three treasures has to be reflected in our actions, in the reality that we live, in realized actions. And so we take refuge in the three treasures with a fundamental integrity and intent to practice in a whole way, acknowledging that sometimes we don't and not getting caught when we think we might. Having taken refuge in the Buddha, we become the Buddha. Having taken refuge in the Dharma, we become the Dharma. Having taken refuge in the Sangha, we become the Sangha. So we speak in Fusatsu of being one with the Buddha, being one with the Dharma, being one with the Sangha. And in being one, we realize that with all sentient beings, we can raise the Bodhi mind. We can let the Supreme Way be realized. In being one, we're invited, we ask to be one with all sentient beings, penetrate all sutras, let wisdom be like the ocean, our ocean, our life that extends boundlessly. Being one with all sentient beings, lead the people, let harmony pervade everywhere. To let our life rest on this is both no small matter and yet in a different way, it's just turning our life in a particular direction. It's the same life. In a funny way, we don't have to do anything. We simply have to connect with the best part of ourself, the part that is yearning for this, the part that wants to wake up that has to wake up. We don't have to take refuge in the, think of taking refuge in the three treasures as something that needs to be on our mind all the time. If it's there in us, if that desire is there in us, in us to awaken, to practice the Buddha Dharma, to be with each person and to be a part of the Sangha in this practice, in this desire to awaken then intellectually or consciously, in a sense, we can put this, put taking refuge down and go about our lives, trusting it in an ongoing and ever-present way. And when we need to, when we know we need to, when difficulty faces us, when delusive thoughts catch us, when greed and anger and separation 
come up for us when the energy of those things is present within us, even if they don't seem to be manifesting, we can turn it. We can really turn it. We don't have to know much about this process. Part of it is the letting go, but part of it is acknowledging who we are in the deepest sense. There are many practices that hold this, and they're important. But the most important thing is to have a heart that wants this and is willing. When things are dark, when things are light, to rest in this. And when we take refuge in Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, the Buddha is also taking refuge in us. The Dharma is coming alive as our life. And we are the Sangha. So, in one sense, this is no big deal. In another sense, it's a whole life. And, and so, I hope that individually and together, we will do this, each in our own way, each appropriate to our life. And take refuge in the Buddha, in your original wholeness. Take refuge in the teachings of reality, limitless, bottomless, and yet present in what is right before us. And take refuge in the responsibility, in the kindness and compassion of each other. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. For meditation supplies such as meditation cushions, incense, malas, liturgical instruments, books, and more, visit the Monastery Store at monasterystore.org. Support for your spiritual practice at home.